My name is Blasio. I'm one of the elders here at God First Fours, if you're new here. And um, for the past couple of weeks, uh, we've been going through a sermon series on anxiety. So today, um, we're going to look at probably the biggest one for a lot of us. Um, And I have lots of time to explain it to you guys, so that's great. Um, Which is anxiety about finances, right? So um, here at this church, we don't speak about money a lot. We don't. Um, If you've been here for a while, you might have never heard a money talk um, from us. Um, And the reason for that is because we are not a, uh, we're not a prosperity church, right? We do not believe in the prosperity gospel. We just believe in the gospel, really, Um, and and nothing added to that. Um, But if you look at Jesus and how Jesus treated money, um, Jesus spoke about money quite a bit. Um, Actually, Eight, 16 out of his 38 parables, Jesus spoke about money, which is more than 40% of uh, the parables Jesus uh, um, spoke about. He spoke about money. And uh, this is such a big topic to Jesus that he speaks about it more than he speaks about love. Jesus speaks about money more than he speaks about heaven and hell combined. Now, I, I don't think he spoke about money that much because money was more important than those things. But you will find that money has this effect on us. It, uh, it shows us or brings to the surface what is actually going on in our hearts. And that's what um, I'm going to try and show us today. So um, good for you guys. We're gonna only going to be reading out of three verses. Um, Luke chapter 12, verse 34 to 36. I have three points, uh, which are basically God is good. Um, when will you trust me? And giving is worship. Okay, if you have your Bibles, please open them to Luke chapter 12, verse 32 to 34. It says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give it to the poor. Give it to the needy. Provide yourself with the money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, uh, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, uh, uh, here Luke, um, in the whole chapter, actually, chapter 12, Luke is recording um, what Jesus says about uh, uh, different kinds of anxieties, right? He goes through different kinds of things that people worry about, us as Christians, and he shows us how we can uh, live a, a Christian life that is, uh, that is overcoming of such fears. Um, you'll find Luke 12, verse 45, Jesus addresses fear of death, and he says, hey, don't be afraid of man who can only kill you. You should be more fearful of God where after you have died, he has the authority to send you to hell. He is saying that um, you need to fear God, trust God more, because God has handled what happens after death. Luke 12, verse 5 to 6 says, um, uh, Luke doesn't say it there, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Jesus addresses the fear of uh, us feeling insignificant to God or feeling as though God does not care about us or God is some far off God. And he says, hey, look, God is aware when two sparrows are sold for a penny, aren't you more important than birds? In fact, God knows the very number of hairs on your head. God is aware of you. Luke 11, verse verse 11 to 12 says, uh, 
or Jesus there is dealing with uh, when, when, so, when someone is challenging you about the gospel and you don't know what to say. He says, no, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, I have that handled for you as well. Luke, verse 12, verse, Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21, Jesus addresses um, our fear of future provisions by um, going through the parable of the rich fool. Now, a lot of us know the story. What happens is um, this guy makes a killer crop, right? He's big harvest. And what he, he realizes quickly that the amount of food he's made and the barns that he has to store them away doesn't really work out. So he decides, let me tear down my barns, build bigger barns so that I can fit all my food in there. And then, G- and then God comes to him and he says, verse 20 and 21, um, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So is Jesus saying here that there's something wrong with having a killer crop? Is he saying there's something wrong with being productive? Is Jesus saying that there's something wrong with us taking all the stuff we have produced and storing it away for a rainy day? No, I don't think he's saying that. But I think what he's saying here is that there is something wrong with us finding our security in our bonds. There's something wrong with us finding security in our big bank accounts and uh, our, our investment schemes. He says you need to find security in uh, me, Jesus, and not stuff. And you'll find for people that find the security in accounts and stuff like that, we begin to hoard. So in Zimbabwe right now, um, I don't know if you've been living under a rock or you've been watching the news, um, there was a new government, no new regime in, they're implementing new monetary policy in there, and uh, it's causing a whole lot of struggle. Right? Prices are shooting up. Um, basic commodities, you can't find them anymore. And um, my, my parents are still in Zim right now, and some of my siblings. And I was chatting to my mom the other day, and she was telling me how uh, she walked into a shop and saw and found cooking oil, and it was at a reasonable price. So she bought all of it. Right? Now, and this is what everyone is doing in Zim. Right? They find something, if it's well-priced, they just hoard. And that's what happens when um, the, the people who are governing you, the policies they've put in place, you, have, you find no confidence in them. And for some of us, we treat God the same way, where we, we don't really trust him when he says, I will provide for you. We don't really trust him when he says, I will give you what you need when you need it. So we begin to hoard. We, we, we have bank accounts full to the brim, not because we need that money for something specific. No, it's just because we are afraid of some fear thing. We're not sure what will happen in the future. So we're packing away for a rainy day or more like we're packing away for a category 12 hurricane, right? We're just packing away stuff and money we are hoarding without any real plan about what is this for. Jesus continues with the same pattern in verse 21 to 31 when he is uh, talking about uh, the fear that people have over basic needs, right? So he, he speaks about menial things like uh, uh, food and clothing. And the statement he says is, is life not worth, is life not more than food and clothing? Isn't there more to life than what you will eat and what uh, you will wear? And you'll find people who are very concerned with the menial things. Oh, I need food, me and my family and all that. You begin to navel 
gaze, right? Just looking at your belly button, just me, me, me. What about my stuff? What about me? And you are missing out on what life, what actually is happening in life. You are so concerned with yourself. And Jesus says, no, wait, wait, look up, look up. Have you considered the raven? Have you seen the raven sowing anything? Have you seen him harvesting? Right? Do you see the raven, uh, or uh, does, does the raven have a job? Does the raven have a bank account? Does the raven have investments? Does the raven have a multi-layered hybrid investment scheme somewhere? No. But God provides for them. Are you not more important than birds? And he says, have you considered the lilies? The lilies have never sown anything. They've never bought any clothes. You don't find them in Forever 21. Right? But for all your Louis V and your Dosha and Gabbana that you're wearing, none of you look as good as they do. Are you not more important than lilies? And then we get to the verse we're speaking about today. Verse 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, what fear is Jesus trying to address here? What fear is Jesus trying to speak into here? Now, I would wager that this fear is a fear a lot of us in here have. And the fear is really that at God's core, God's real center, he's not really good. Right? We, we know we, we believe that God is good. You know, we say to church, you know, God is good all the time. You know, we say that all the time. But in some level, we feel like what God really wants to do is not to be good to us, but he really wants to, ju- to judge us, right? He's just waiting for that opportunity for you to screw up, you know, for you to mess up again so he can judge you. And here he says, fear not, little flock. Um, and, and I feel a lot of us and you have live with this fear because you have messed up again. You have gone back to that sin that you said you were not going to go back to. You have, you have done that thing once again. And like Andy Minio says, you are busy trying to convince God that you are not a waste of his time. Now, personally, I love this verse because I'm, I'm someone who is, I've always believed God loved me, right? I'll say very young. I've always believed the concept of God loving me, but I've only ever believed it as uh, God loves me like my parents love me, right? Uh, if, if I need something, I can go to them and they will provide. If I need some wise counsel, you know, I can sit to them and they will uh, give me wise counsel. If, I, if I'm lacking something, uh, they will be there for me. They're not uh, absentee parents, right? I understood God forgave my sins and I understood I would make it into heaven because Jesus died for my sins, but I had a hard time believing that I would get to heaven because God actually wanted me there, right? I, I believe I'd kind of, kind of sneak into heaven like, uh, like a thief, like how uh, I got into heaven only based on that Jesus dying on my sins technicality, but not really, I, not really that I got there because God actually wanted me to be with him in heaven, I've always believed that Jesus loves me, but I never really believed that Jesus actually likes me. And this is what Jesus is trying to address here. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's break that down. 
Fear not, little flock. So when he's speaking about flock, right, he's saying that we are the sheep in the flock and God is the shepherd, right? Now, a few things you need to know about sheep. Sheep are dumb animals, dumb animals, right? Left to their own devices, they will uh, follow each other off a cliff. They, they don't know where to feed. They have to be led and uh, huddled together by a shepherd or they're just going to get lost. Sheep are dumb animals. And something else you need to know, they have no um, defensive capabilities at all. Right? They're not hiding nunchucks in their wall, in their wall right? They, they can't even run that fast, right? They, they, they have no defensive characteristics at all. They are just dumb, defenseless animals. And Jesus here intentionally calls us not just a flock, but a little flock, right? You are a tiny, insignificant flock. And he says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure. Fear not, you might be insignificant, you might have nothing about you that you can actually boast about, but he's saying God wants to be good to you because it gives him pleasure to be good to you. God wants to, he wants to love you, he wants to lavish you with good things because it gives him pleasure to do so, not because he is begrudgingly do it. He says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, not it is your employer's good pleasure to pay you with the kingdom, right? Not it's your banker's good pleasure to pay out your matured investment in the form of the kingdom. Not it's your supermarket's good pleasure to give you the kingdom you've paid for. No, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is what makes other type of gospels dangerous, Because uh, the works-based gospel says, if you do these things right, if you obey these laws, then God will give you the kingdom. And what that does is make God into an employer and not into a loving father, right? The prosperity gospel says, if you give enough tithe, if you sow enough, if you have enough faith, then God will give you the kingdom. But that makes God into a supermarket where you pay for stuff first, then he will give you the kingdom as a a just exchange for uh, your wares. That makes God into a banker who gives you a matured investment out and not into a loving father. Friends, it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Um, And he does this. He's good not just in title, but he's also good in motivation and emotions. He is holy for you. He wants what is best for you. Now, if you notice, when you are going through all these other fears in Luke chapter 12, right, um, the silver thread that ran through all of them, the silver thread solution that went through all of them is we need to trust God, right? Uh, With the fear of death, we need to trust that God has us after death and he will take us to a better place. With the fear of not knowing how to defend ourselves when we are challenged about the gospel, we need to trust that God will give us the words to, uh, to, to say when uh, we are challenged about the gospel. With the fear of us not having enough, we need to trust that when God says, I will provide, then he will provide. And I think the word God is trying to tell us, was trying to tell us today is, when will you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? I feel a lot of our anxieties and our cause because we, we don't really trust God when he says what he says. We don't trust him at his word. 
Why are you anxious about food? He said he'll provide. Why are you anxious about money? He said he would provide. Why do you not trust him? I think my greatest lesson on trust um, has been from children. Um, my child, to be more specific. Um, so when Micah was younger, well, she's still young. She's not grown anything. When Micah was younger than she is now, um, she had uh, this thing she used to do. Um, uh, I always used to say that she's too brave. Right? So uh, if, if we're like, sit her on the bed, um, and then if I walk past the bed, she would kind of look at me and then hurl herself off the bed in my direction. And I'm there having a heart attack, you know, a goalkeeper diving to try and catch her. And I, I, I almost have a heart attack. I catch her and I look at her and she has this big smile on her face. She's laughing. Now, why? She had concluded in her little soul <laughs> that daddy will not let me fall. Right? I can hurl myself in his, not even at him, in his general direction, and he will catch me. So she decided to have fun with it. She enjoyed it. Another example. So I was invited to a birthday party a couple of weeks ago, and we went to this uh, water theme park. So uh, as you walk in, there are water slides and swimming pools. It's amazing. And there was this big slide, which I, I looked at and I was like, I need to try that. So as soon as I opened it up, I was there, right? Um, I went over with my friend and his son. Now, just a side note, so you understand the context of the story. My friend's son is a very daring kid. Like, he's just super daring. And um, myself, I am afraid of heights, right? So uh, it's our turn to go on. Myself, my friend, and his son, we start going up that thing. And when I get to the top, I realize very quickly that this was a bad idea, <laughs> right? So uh, my friend is in, the, is in the next thing, and his son is in the next one. And he says, okay, I'm, we're going to do a countdown. Are you ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> and I was like, um, how about no, right? <laughs> they, so, so they go down in there. You know, the son, his son is doing Superman moves, right? His slide, he's just, he looks amazing, and how I know this is because I, I hadn't gone down, right? He, they went and they left me. So they get to the bottom and uh, they're like, where is this guy? They look up and they see me back at the top. And they start calling for me to come down because, you know, that does wonders for my self-esteem. Um, so eventually, you know, I kind of slide down in the most ungraceful way, right? I, I, I'm in this weird position. I look like I'm having a stroke. It's just, it's just horrible. And I went down in such a weird position because I was paralyzed by fear. Now, my friend's son, he, he had concluded in his soul that my father would not lead me somewhere which would hurt me. So he had fun with it. He enjoyed the whole experience. And as I was up there looking like a fool in front of kids. <laughs> and this is exactly how some of us live our lives. We live 
paralyzed by fear because we are so worried about the future, about uh, this and that coming. We don't enjoy where we are. We're in the middle of a party, not enjoying the party because we're, we are so worried about where am I going to get money for the next party? We are, we are on a plane, so paralyzed by the fear of heights that we forget to enjoy the beautiful creation God has made. If we die in the situation, God will take us. Do we trust him in this? We are so scared looking at our bank accounts as our salary comes in and we are worried about the next salary instead of enjoying what God has already provided. And God is saying, do you trust me? When will you trust me? I have come through time and time again. When will you trust me? Okay, quickly. How do we get to a place that we trust God more in this? Firstly, you will realize that both my examples had to do with children. So uh, it's no coincidence, Jesus says in Mark 10, 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. How do you get to a place where you trust God more? Get to a place where you take him at his word. We must believe his word like children believe the words of their fathers. Because daddy said it, I'm okay. I can believe it. Something else we can do, um, and I like to call this muscle memory. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you will discern what is, what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect. Translation, do not follow the wisdom of this world. Do not conform to what the world tells you. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the continual renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? By testing, by trying God. When God says, I will do this for him, try him, test him. He says, I will do this for him, try him. And the first time you try him, you will find that the next time would be easier. Psalm 38 verse 4 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. God is challenging us. He says, try me, test me, try me. Taste and you'll find that I am actually good. You have tried all these other things and they have failed you. Try me and you'll see that I am good. And by trusting him once, you'll realize that the next time you trust him, by trusting him once and he comes through, the next time will be easier. And the next time will be easier. And the next time will be easier. Okay. I am over time. And I haven't said much about money. And I'm sure you came here all expecting some convicting thing, you know, empty your pockets and put money in the basket. No. I think it's important for us to firstly get that we need to trust God because what Jesus says next in this passage would sound absolutely ludicrous if we do not trust God. Okay, what does he say? He says, sell your possessions. Okay, I'm sure that it's got some other meaning in Greek. <laughs> Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Why? Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Now, I find it interesting that Jesus says, sell your possessions. And in the Greek, it says, sell your possessions. 
Now, if what Jesus was after here was to feed the poor, he could have said, dig in your pockets. He could have said, go into your bank account. He could have said, take some out of your savings. But he said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. So I think Jesus is trying to achieve something more here than just feed the poor. He's trying to do something else. Okay, a few things about possessions. Now, I don't know what it really is about possessions. And I'm sh- I don't know if all of you have the same reaction to stuff that I do. But when I see something that I really like, I get so excited, right? I'm like, oh my God, I need to get this. Ah. I'm looking at my bank account if I can afford it. I'm looking at, right? I'm looking where I can borrow some money to buy it. It's all, right? I get so excited. Oh my, this, this thing. And I, I will go to very far lengths to buy it. Now, I think for a lot of us, we don't get as easily excitable about reading our Bible. We don't get as easily excitable about praying or coming to church, really. And what stuff does, I don't know what it is about it, but it gives you this euphoric experience. When you buy something new, you know, you're wearing that new watch. You're like, yeah, I'm stunting, right? You're looking great. And it's, it, it gives you this euphoric feeling where you feel like a better person just because you're wearing new jeans. And there's something about possessions that drowns out our awareness of God, our excitement over reading his word, our, our enjoyment about doing menial things like praying or coming to church. There's something about stuff that does that. So Jesus says, sell your possessions. Why? Why? I think Jesus' call to us is really to simplify. To simplify our lives. So he's saying, find something that you own. Sell it. And give the money away. He's asking us to simplify our position. Because here's the thing with stuff. The more stuff you have, the more anxious you are about the stuff that you have. So what we're doing in essence is we're buying ourselves more anxiety. And here's the truth about uh, something else about everything that you own. Everything that you own is on its way to the junkyard. Everything, without exception. So Jesus says, sell your possessions. Why? Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old. He's saying, sell your possessions, stop investing in landfills and anxieties, and start investing in the kingdom. Stop investing in anxieties and landfills, everything that you own. When I moved in with my wife, um, it became very apparent to me that I had a lot of junk, right? Not simply because she pointed it out that this is all junk. But I actually had a lot of junk. I had phones, which I had not used in years. I had probably 16 different chargers. I had cameras that were no longer worked. And I just, I just kept them all because at one time, those were the in things. I went out of my way to buy them. And now they were good for nothing else but to be thrown away. So I think the thing he's asking, 
do you trust me? Will you stop investing in anxieties and landfalls and start investing in the kingdom? And you'll find the more you simplify, the more you become aware of God. So really, what Jesus is calling us to do as we give our money, he's calling us to worship. Our giving is worship. You'll find every time we, 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 we send out baskets, collecting tithes and offering, we say, let us continue our worship with our giving. Because that's what giving is. It is worship. We are removing clutter from ourselves so we can become more aware of Jesus. And Jesus puts the final nail in the coffin with this statement. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be too. Translation, the thing that you value the most, the thing that you love above everything else is the thing that you will invest in. You see, it's really a worship issue. Are you going to invest in anxiety and landfalls? Or are you going to invest in worship? Are you going to invest in the kingdom? You see, the gospel is this. God has freely given us everything everything. He says, it says it is good pleasure to him to give us the kingdom and his kingdom includes everything. He has freely given us, he's, he's given up his glory so that we can have eternal life um, and he will freely give us all these things. Um, the question is, will you trust God at his word? Will you trust him at his word? He will provide for you. You are more important than birds. Let us pray. Jesus, thank you that you have us, that you have taken care of it all, that we can trust you with our lives, we can trust you with our eternity can trust you with our children. We can trust you with um, uh, our houses. And God, we can trust you with our money. And God, I pray, God, may you move us. God, may you, may you show us what in our lives we need to sell. What possessions we own, we need to sell. And we need to give that money away for the sake of your worship. I pray, Jesus, for us, God, work in our hearts. This is a hard issue. I pray may you make this real to us, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.